Let's get chilly. Welcome back to Let's Chill, the official, unofficial Central Division Champion podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Jay. And I'm Kane. And we are back with yet another episode previewing Championship Weekend 2023 being hosted in Minnesota. And with Minnesota representing the Central Division, it's going to be super awesome. Guys, we've waited since like December of last year for this weekend. And this weekend is here. I'm so freaking pumped. I woke up this morning and I realized it was Sunday and I was just like, I have, the, I have the whole week to get through still. I, I was kind of disappointed because I have all this like anticipation building up and mm. it's kind of all coming. Like all the anticipation basically from December is now here. Like it's all well up inside. So I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. And like in a week from now, we'll know who the champion is. So that's pretty cool to put that in perspective. But uh, well, should we start with some stall sevens? I've got a kind of a, a tough stall seven, but a very fun and relevant one. Uh. And honestly, I'll, I'll give you guys more in seven seconds, which we never abide by that rule anyway. But uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a countdown one of these days, e- eventually. All right. So between the two of you, I'll give it a little bit easier. Can you name all of the AUDL champions from 2012 to 2022? Does not have to be in, in order, order, but well, okay. ideally, but what it doesn't matter. All right, I got Madison twice. Sam. Well, you got you got to give me years. Oh, I got to tell you the years. Uh, 2018 then, because that was the okay. last time they were in championship weekend. 2014, I'm pretty sure. Is that not Do right? You want 20... the right answer or not? Mm, 2013. 2013. Do you want the young? Is that yes or no? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's incorrect. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, so 2013 sure is not right. In fact, they've only won once. I swear they won a second one. Okay, okay. 22 is the Empire. Yep. 21 were the Flyers. Yep. I think at the time they were the Raleigh Flyers, though. Ah, uh, they're actually Carolina. That was, was, that, the the year, that, was that was the year they changed Carolina, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, was there a 2020 championship? I thought that year got... No, they didn't play in 2020. 19 was... Ooh, was that wasn't New York again, was it? It was the Empire. Was New York. Okay. okay, okay, that's right, that's right, because it went 18. New York and then... Was yeah. the Radicals? Yep. Oh, 18 was the Radicals. 2017 yep. was San Jose Spiders. Nope, but you're close. San Diego Growlers, then. Uh, no. Ooh, Whatever. You're, you're getting close. It's it's a team that doesn't exist oh, anymore. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm flaking the on their cannons? name right now. Uh, nope. It's a California team. You're in the right region. It's in my brain. I know what it is. I it's like the, this team too. That's the thing. It, it's the San Francisco Flamethrowers. That yep. <laughs> okay, because, so 2016. Yeah. Man, it was 2016? I know one of these was either San Diego or Oakland Spiders at one point. Was it 2016? Was Oakland? Nope. 2015 was Oakland. 2015 was. 2016. And I don't 2014. know. 2014. Yes, you're right there. Okay, yeah, 2014 and 15 were Oakland Spiders. 2016, I don't actually know if he was on this team, but Abe Coffin has played for this team. Dallas Roughnecks? They were not the Roughnecks at that point. They had actually already switched over oh. to Shoot. who they are today. The Legion? They were the Legion? Really? Yeah, I had to check. I had to, I thought it was Roughnecks too, but at least on here, on the AUDL side, it says the Legion. 
Interesting. Well, maybe that's just because they, they, they changed their yeah, name. Yeah, maybe, maybe because it's the Legion now. Yeah, yeah. and they still they still because I'm pretty sure yeah, the Roughnecks yeah. changed their name to the Legion in like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay, and then so, 2015, okay, so 2014, yeah. we're Oakland Spiders. And then so 2013. 2013. Uh, both give eight us the teams division. technically. Uh, okay, so. 2013 was e- is East Division. 2012 is also East Division. Okay, so one of them's Toronto. That is correct. What year? Yeah, that's 2012. 2012? No, no, 2013. Okay, 2013. Okay, so because I was like Mark Lloyd. I remember like that name for some reason. It was like big at the time. So who's the uh, so first then, ever AUDL champion? I do know this, but I... It's a... It, the city exists, like like in ADL, but the team does not. So if you give me the city, I'll give it to you. Boston. Nope. Philly. Okay. Philly. Yep. And the Philadelphia Spinners. Yeah. Can you say First you remember ever. that name was a big name around then? You were like eight years old. Hey Amen. Ten years ago. <laughs> you, you literally, you literally didn't even know what Ultimate existed. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. I was nine. Thank you. Uh, actually, in the summer of that year, you would have still been eight because your birthday's in. Actually, I'm eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a that was a really great stall. Two minutes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a good question. It was a good question. Was a good question. I do have a like an actual stall seven, and either of you two can answer this. So Jordan Kerr of the Salt Lake Shred leads the Salt Lake Shred in plus minus. Jay Studebile has the second highest. How far ahead is Jordan Kerr over Chase Dudevile? 23. Oh, 23. I'm going to guess like 15. Uh, It's 30. What? Yeah. He he has a plus minus of 89 and Chase Dudevile is at 59. Like I know I've been watching their games for an article I'm writing, but holy crap. I I would, you know, like he's, he's a sleeper. He's a sleeper. He leads like, he has the highest assists by like 20 as well. Wait, wait, wait. Who's a sleeper? Who's a sleeper? Jordan Kerr. No, I mean, like, it's... it's Jordan Kerr's a sleeper? Okay, he is he is the MVP. I've already said this. But, like, yeah. even I didn't know how much better he was or how much, like, how hard he carries his team. Because he carries that... Well, you know, they have really good players, but he carries that team. I Be careful yeah. with that. He does not carry that team. That is a very, very, like, everyone has bought into the system. Everyone on that team has bought into the system fully. Like... Go go back and rewatch uh the game against the Aviators and especially listen to the commentary, and just like it, it's you can tell that that team is very, like yeah Jordan Kerr is a huge huge piece of that, but you can tell like everyone else has stepped up and filled in major roles. I mean you can't like like Jordan Bile has been crazy. I mean a plus minus of fifty nine, or fifty eight or whatever he's at. Yeah, like if the second place guy has that, that's crazy. Like. Like, what does like so. Bevon have? So I, I feel like know. I feel like I would guess I'm guessing Bevon probably has the highest plus minus on the team. Yeah. So who how can we compare Bevon? Are you looking at OJ? Actually, Dylan DeClerc has a 49 and Bevon's got a 44. Okay, so there you go. Like both their second highest player has a, a higher one than our highest player. Yeah, my, my point was like for perspective, like the Empire's top three are all within like 10 points for each other like 12 points for each yeah. other so like when i say that's I'm a not, big again, difference yeah, that's a big he difference is, he is he's not carrying the team but he is like he's destroying his team in the plus minus category yeah right. so i came with yourself seven okay 
also about the Salt Lake Shred, because obviously we have to go up against them. Uh, they had a very impressive outing in their division championship matchup. They had 15 red zone opportunities. What, like out of 15, because I'm not going to make you do a percentage because that's a stupid number. Uh, what percent or what out of 15 did they convert on in the red zone? I'm going to assume it's not 15 because otherwise that'd be easy. Hundo percent. So we're going to say 14. We're going to give them the highest amount of credit I could. But it was 100%. Is it, you can I'm, you can guess that. I'm pretty sure they had 100% red zone conversion. I just watched yeah, that game like 15 out of 15 in the red oh. zone. I was like, I just watched that game 100%, yesterday. 100%, like... man. Dang. Which. Yeah. They, they are a scary team. Well, they only have like nine turnovers total in the whole game or something like that. Yeah, like I know we were talking about like the the empire had four and that was in, like crazy as well. But it's I think, ridiculous, like, yeah, but also they had nine. Like, come on, yeah, single digits. Anything under is, ten is, is like, yeah. So here, great transition. I'm writing an article for the the windshield for the windshield the AUDL site, and basically, yeah, I was doing a comparison of like the shred are statistically and uh, like subjectively just passing the eye test one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, and Minnesota is just right up there with the best defense. And like in all categories, the shred have like the best completion percentage, like the second best completion. They are very good at hucking the disc. They have one of the highest huck completion percentage, crazy red zone percentage, all that stuff. Um, so that's what the Minnesota Winchell are facing this Friday. Uh, and again, they're bringing a very strong defense, but it's going to be like that. I wrote my article on Winchell Talk a couple weeks ago, like the unstoppable force meets, or the un, yeah, the unstoppable, wait, the, the unstoppable force meets the unmovable object, right? That's what it is. Uh, that's what it's going to be on Friday night. That's going to be a, a really exciting matchup to, to see. Yeah, yeah I think I'm Ringer, for that. Uh, yeah, I think Ringer Thought had a really good point in their most recent podcast, or yeah, at the time of recording their most recent podcast, where they say, um, like, Salt Lake is really good at hucking, and Minnesota has some of the best huck coverage in the league. Like, it, we, we always have two guys deep looking deep. We have really good, like, zone huck looks, you know. Minnesota's so, the quickest team to have one of them peel off a defender and go help be the help defense. I mean, if you watch every play, right? Um, so I'm really interested to see how Minnesota can capitalize on that and capitalize on because you know salt lake will probably adapt to that eventually or maybe they won't hopefully fingers crossed um right. but if minnesota can capitalize on those first few early turns that they will hopefully be generating from those hucks that could be the difference in the game right yeah don't really let salt lake get that opening punch just kind of combat that and then once salt lake responds well it's too late at that point almost and so yeah i think I mean, again, Salt Lake has a really good offense, but like uh, we said it on the podcast last time, defense wins champions championships. And if we just don't give Salt Lake an inch, I think that's how you got to beat them is to really just stomp on them. And I think if there is a team that's going to do that, it's going to be Minnesota at Minnesota, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I mean, Minnesota also ranks like highest in blocks. Um, and again, like we always talk about environment, and I'm just going to throw that conversation out the window because right now this truly like Josh Clay and I, I was talking to him to get some quotes. He said they're basically approaching this like a neutral site. So like, let's get rid of environment here. Uh, they they have the highest amount of blocks in the league. 
because again, their their defense is so good at putting pressure on the right people at the right time. So whether that means handler pressure or cutter pressure, like they know when who has the disc, where they need to be, and like how to stop the play from advancing. Um, and again, especially when a team is looking deep, like the shred will, I think Minnesota can be set up for some good success. But again, yeah, then it's it's about doing what they do best and capitalizing on that because it's not just enough to stop the shred from advancing. Minnesota also has to have a very clean offensive game too on the other side of the disc because the shred, like just because the because the winch are really good at defense and the shred are really good at offense, like the shred still can score on defense and that that could be then the difference in the game. So on the other side of the disc, like surprise surprise, the winch will have to be good at both throwing and blocking. <laughs> To, wait, to wait, wait. Game. You're telling me they got to play well-rounded Frisbee to win? Nah. That's wait. a very controversial take, I know. Or, or, only Callahan's. I, you you don't look, need to be good at throwing look, if you just always score in the end zone. If you're just always in the end zone. <laughs> it's never been done before, so why not do it now? It's an unorthodox approach, but that's what you need to beat the Salt Lake Shred. <laughs> You'll never hey, see man. it coming. I about to say, how do you how do you plan for that? How do you game plan for that? Ben Feldman, ben if Feldman, you're listening. If you're listening, get us on the sideline. Give me, any, give me a clipboard and a whiteboard, and you'll see what I can do. If anybody from the shreds listening, no, you're not. No, no. If anyone's on the shred listening, guess what? Winchell are only going for Callahan. So just plan for that and just just you're welcome. There's a game plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ben Feldman, ignore us. Don't do Callahan's. <laughs> Um, they'll never know what to expect. I am I am really interested as well though in some end of quarter stuff. Um I know Jeff and I, when we went to that very first practice where we got some clips of interact with some windshield players, um, they were working on like last 30, 15 seconds and just like really utilizing all I mean, even if they have two seconds left, they're talking about like one quick throw, get five yards and then huck it, you know, get it to the person who's hucking it down the whole field. And they're willing to put out you know, Berglund on an O-line just to have him throw 80 yards into the end zone. That's way too far, like 60 yards into the end zone. Well, um, they did that too against Indy. That, that's what I'm and saying. That's like, like, they're, I, they're I saw that. that, yeah. 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 Um, and again, watching all the, going through all the Shreds games, um, I got to say, like, Shreds are kind of weak to those end-of-quarter plays. I think in only one of their only a couple of their games I'm watching have they had like three or four end of quarter scores. And most of the time it's just like, oh, they score with 30 seconds left. Like, okay, they don't really like, you know, they leave 30 seconds for the opposing team. And if the opposing team happens to be prepared, like the aviators were against them, prepared to score in those last 30 seconds, they give up that point more often than not. I think actually against the aviators, the Aviators scored at the end of every single quarter. And against New York, New York scored at the end of three of four quarters. So, like, the Shredder yeah, week was, to end of quarter scores. I was going to bring that up with the uh, South Division Championship game. I mean, that was basically the last three minutes of regular play was just back and forth. They were trying to close out that quarter, and both teams kept doing that. And that's a good point. Like, that really... I mean, both teams could make a championship weekend when both teams were doing that. And it really, it went to double overtime. So obviously the team that just happened to do it last, they caught a bad break on the other side. Like, and so, yeah, it's it's interesting that the shred 
has such a high offensive percentage and have one of the best offenses in the league, but it's going to be interesting to see if that offense can handle, you know, uh, a Minnesota offense that they maybe aren't quite used to, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think so. importantly as well, Heather Alaska, I think importantly as well, um, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Minnesota is the only team who won a game this year, scoring fewer breaks than their opponents. Um, that's a really good fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fun stall seven. Um, Minnesota has won a game against Madison this year where they won by one and they scored one fewer break than Madison did because they scored at the end of three quarters. Mm-hmm. Like Minnesota just so happened to win the game by scoring at the end of quarters. And that might be what happens against the shred as well. So, so, okay. Maybe I'm just like, maybe it's just the end of the weekend. Let's just draw the connect, connect these dots for me. Like how, how does scoring at the end of the quarter benefit that, that team overall? Um, okay. So for example, if you, if the opposing team starts, if the shred starts the disc and Minnesota ends of the disc, if you go blow for blow, you know, then the score is tied at the end of that quarter. Well, the next quarter, Minnesota starts with the disc. So they get a mini break. They don't actually get the break, but they get a break essentially. Gotcha, and if they score gotcha. at the end of that quarter, well, now they're up by one. Right. You know, if they go both blow for blow. So if you do I that enough, you. you can actually win a game without getting any breaks. You can have a game with zero breaks and win a game. Yeah. Not likely, okay, but I mean, sense. Minnesota has done something similar. Right. Well, against against Madison, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for connecting those dots. So I think, like, that being said, uh, again, I think their offense is going to be something that is going to be really tested. Like, I, I don't want to, like, ignore their defense and be like, oh, no, they're fine. Like, they definitely need to play their game that they've been playing. Defense has to be successful and stop this offense. That's one of the best in the league. That goes without saying. I mean, it, it doesn't because we just keep saying it. Um, but I think their offense is honestly like weirdly underrated, but because they haven't really existed this year, right? Like, again, we've talked about like, oh, wow, they've supplemented this O-line with all these additional players and PK was coming back and Will Brandt has made a name for himself and Abe Coffin's back on offense and Colin Barry's making an appearance now. So we're like, this could be the best offense ever. And like, they just weren't because uh, again, roster inconsistency and other things. But but again, we saw this full strength roster yeah, the central division game, I think their their offense actually really has an underrated opportunity to steal this game from the shred. Um, because if it's full strength, if they if everyone if Will Brandt is slinging the disc again like cross field hammers, like are you freaking kidding me? If Josh Klain is just there on the field, just literally like standing there, <laughs> throwing the no look uh, scuba over two different defenders. <laughs> who said like the more quiet josh clayton is the better the wind chill are was that cam brock in player chatter uh, was it cam brock or rick it gross was. it was i don't remember but but yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah no i agree i think in general minnesota's offense like i said it's just a different approach i think it's i don't know i have a hard time assigning an identity to this year's offense just because it is such a unique identity, it feels like. And, I mean, Adam Ruffner said it on their podcast all the time, but, like, it's not always pretty, but Minnesota does get it done. And I think that's going to benefit us for sure against such a perfectly clean, neat team like the Shred. Just, all right, disrupt that a little bit. So Yeah, it's it's like, um, I don't even know how to say this, but 
I kind of just plus one in what Kay just said. Like they might not have, well, they will have a strategic approach. They're going to have a designated set that they're running and playing strategically, but not having, again, kind of what I've said too, like not having that season long consistency and like, okay, clearly they're the best hucking team in the league. And like, they know every time that they run the cleanest vert stack ever, like not having that again, kind of gives them an underrated under the radar. Like what is this team going to be doing on set on Friday? Like how do we defend them? Cause we haven't seen Josh Klain throw into Abe coffin all the time or what, you know, whatever, like, we don't, we don't get to see a lot of film of that, so we don't necessarily know how to approach this game. So, like, putting an optimistic spin on kind of a weirdly pessimistic idea, like Minnesota's offense could kind of make a difference. That's a good 100%. point. I kind of want to – what you just said, like, really showed up to me with the Josh Klain to Abe Coffin, like, there's not a lot of film for that. I'm thinking, like, there's a lot of really, like, iconic connections. It feels like, like, Klain to Snyder, you know, oh, we see that all the time. Let's be honest, though. I don't think the last two games there was more than one, you know, big hook from Clay to Snyder. And that's not to say that that doesn't work when they do it. But I really do think that the whole team on offense has really been pulling its own weight. And like, yes, there's those massive connections like Clay to Snyder, but there's also a lot of really underrated ones like Will Brandt to anybody or Tristan Vandemortel to himself. Like there's there's just a lot of really good connections on the offensive line that have just developed in this season that they kind of had to. Like it, if the windshield didn't scrape together an identity, they would have lost. And I think by going through the gauntlet that was the regular season, they really just forged this like unique, like I said, unique and strong offense that is hard to plan against because it wasn't planned for. And it nice. It reminds me of when Calabari was on the podcast. Now we've brought this up a couple of times of how he said he is basically on the O-line to draw that mismatch where they have Snyder as like wide receiver one kind of thing. And they have, you know, put wide receiver two here and like not all of their cutters right now for some reason. But, you know, like they have. So like you're going to put your two strongest defenders on their two strongest cutters. And then you have Colin Barry, who's like wide receiver three but also he kind of becomes that first primary look because you've got the two best players on our two best players uh so kind of like you said Kane, yeah like there's kind of these under under noticed underdeveloped connections that make sense that people don't necessarily know how to plan for because yeah you're just going for okay and so yeah you have justin jefferson like we got we got to stop justin Je- justin jefferson but you we got other receivers now that kirk cousins is throwing to and like you got to plan for that too. So I just think it's hilarious. You couldn't think of Devon. Ah, oh, man. Like, really like, like, I was, yeah, I wasn't like, going to say anything. I was like, oh. I can't think of any cutters. They, they only have one cutter and that's Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder someone need, who baby. hasn't really been, has like only played like five games this season or something like that as well. Snyder, if you're listening, man, we love to get um, on the podcast. But I think, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think another, another thing that Colin Berry brings that's kind of underrated is he's like six three six six three six four he's tall right like i know there are some guys like i mean i don't know how tall babbitt is or how tall like some of these guys are like six 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 seven they're they're you know giants um like i mean most of these guys are close to six foot six one um and even like you know that two inches can't 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 phrase it like that 
Um, that two inches is a lot, you know. Um, <laughs> so we're clipping that. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah. So Colin Murray, and he's lanky too. Like he has got long arms. Um, and that's again, like what we've been saying this whole time is, how do you play against Colin Barry when you've never seen Colin Barry really playing? When you're not like watching for Colin Barry. I mean, I know these guys are watching their film. They're looking at every player. They're doing their due diligence. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, Colin Barry hasn't been doing these highlight reel layouts that he can definitely do. That he can definitely be making. Like, yeah, Dylan DeClerc always lays out for a block, but you know. Tanner Barkus does every now and again, and he doesn't do it every game. So you're not expecting him to be running these poaches that he gets his layout blocks on. And, you know, I can be, we can be expecting these defensive looks and these offensive looks that, again, like Salt Lake hasn't been able to prepare for because Minnesota doesn't necessarily play against the teams that they have to do it against. Yeah. I think Minnesota's O-line is the Central Division's best-kept secret. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is something think- that, like bothered me throughout the whole season is everyone talks about the central division as the weakest. So they sort of overlook Indy. They sort of overlook Minnesota, you know, the two best teams this year. And um, I think that might be a little bit unfair. Like Minnesota hasn't had a ton of highlight performances because I mean, no offense to Detroit mechanics, but you're not going to have a highlight performance against the Detroit mechanics. You know, Madison radicals went four and eight this year and all of our games were close with them, but also there were no highlight performances from Minnesota because we won all of our games against them. There was no need to have that, you know, super stellar play. It was just we got lazy in a couple of quarters, Madison caught up, and then we ended up winning. Yeah. I think Minnesota is definitely going to open up another dimension of their game. I think they're going to massively expand upon what they have already. And part of that is that they've, again, they've kind of had to piece together this system and this team together this year. And looking at it from, like, game one of the season all the way to Central Division Championship and just seeing the team, I don't even want to say get better, but just, like, polish the parts of the game that weren't working and really just round off the team. And I think, yeah, they're ready to open up and let loose that championship weekend and really show everyone, like, yeah, the Central Division isn't weak. Just watch. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, they kind of remind me of the strike. Just like well-rounded, they they fill in as needed. Um, they're a team, you know. Again, they're not relying on. And like I think all these all these teams, you know, we can point to like on the Empire right away. You think of at least at least three names stick out right away. And on the Shred, we were just talking earlier. Like they've got a whole lineup of people who can fill in. Um, but truly, I think Minnesota, like they're playing Max Longchamp uh, at that practice that Jay and I were at preseason. The phrase he used that stuck out to me was that stood out to me was unselfish ultimate. Um, and again, I think necessarily like ultimate is a very team oriented sport, obviously, but I think Minnesota has unlocked that meaning for them. And I think it's driven their success this season. I agree with that. And I think aside from being unselfish, it's also this like idea of there's always the next player up, you know? I mean, part of the reason Salt Lake has, you know, a, a 30 point plus minus discrepancy between Jordan Kerr and Jason Dunabile is because, I mean, A, Jordan Kerr throws a lot of assists and Jason Dunabile is mostly a cutter and he gets a lot of goals as well. Um, but also that 
you know, when you're on Salt Lake, you're lucky to throw to Jordan Kerr for him to get the assist. If he's in the end zone, you're choosing between Jace Dunabile and Jordan Kerr. You know, like, they're, he's number one. So not, it's not even that he's playing selfish ultimate. It's that his team is trying to get him to play selfish ultimate because he's able to do all these great things. And, you know, if you can just really put a, if you can put a stop to Jordan Kerr, then their team becomes significantly weaker. Again, not bad. Still a great team without Jordan Kerr, but significantly weaker. He right. was number if you, yeah. one. If you, yeah, I, I see your point of like eliminating in such a cornerstone part of their offense or their defense, if you want to flip the script that way too, for any team really, if they have such a key identity in one player or one style of play, obviously, yeah, your plan is to adapt to face that. And, you know, the response from the shred would be, okay, how do we adapt to how they're going to adapt? But the thing with Minnesota is that, again, I don't really think you can kind of plan for, I don't want to call it a sporadic team, but a team that gets it done game by game, you know? It reminds me of he who shall not be named, who left the Chicago Union to go play with the Aviators. Uh, (laughs) So how'd that work out for you? Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So... Kind of shifting a little bit. I'm curious to see their approach like on Saturday, like assuming they win Friday. And and so this is the tricky thing. We kind of touched on a little bit of like the windshield, generally speaking, like they've had a couple weekends of like double headers of having to conserve energy and figure out their players for multiple games a weekend. But this is going to be a full weekend of the toughest, most competitive ultimate they'll have played all season long. Like, they're going to have to go against the shred for sure. And then if they win, assuming they win, they'll have to go against most likely the Empire, but even against the Soul. Like, that's not going to be an easy game. Uh, that's going to be that's gonna be really tough. And so, like, I'm really nervous for Saturday. If they if they advance to Saturday, like, Josh Klain said uh, in my in my article I'm putting in, like, they're, they're going balls out. Like, they have to, it's a, you know, spare no expense because it's win or go home. He didn't say that. That's my that's my phrasing, but I'm sure Josh McClain. <laughs> he would say that. He would say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so like they're sparing no expense. They have to put all their strongest players out and conserve no energy for Friday, you know, for Saturday night. How do you think that's going to play into a factor on Saturday against another really tough opponent? I look to last year. I mean, it's it's a very. I mean, it's literally the exact same matchups: East versus South, Central versus West. I mean, if if Minnesota goes all out and the you know like the Chicago beat the Summit last year, if Minnesota beat the Shred, Shred this year, and the Empire beat the Soul, I think it's going to look really similar to last year. I think you know the Empire is some of them; they are the best team in Ultimate. They have some some of the best players in Ultimate, some of the most well conditioned players in Ultimate. I mean, part of the reason why the Empire is so good is because they never get tired. I mean, these guys like these these guys live and breathe yes. conditioning, and you can tell. Yes. Um, so I think, I think it'd probably play out similar to last year, which is unfortunate. Um, but I can also see it being that, you know, Minnesota has some young guys and like, we've talked to some of these guys, they're, they're fun, cool, like great guys who will definitely celebrate their win, but then also like go to bed. Like, they're not going to like, you know, like they, they know they have work to do still. So they, they will definitely get their rest. They'll definitely, I know there's only so much rest you can get in 24 hours, but they'll they'll get all the rest they can get. They're not going to overexert themselves. I think they'll 
rest up as much as they possibly can for that matchup. Yeah. I mean, like, I know we're a windchill podcast and like we got to be pretty optimistic, but again, that's going to be an incredibly tough opponent. Like, and like, again, let's, let's play this out as realistic as possible here. Like more likely than not the empire are going to advance and, and we'll be optimistic. And, and I genuinely believe that the windchill can be the shred. Like I don't really have a big doubt in my mind there. It'll be a tough game, but again, that's the thing is it's going to be a really tough game on Friday night. So then to go against the Empire, who, yeah, like, they could probably play another game right after their soul game, and they'll beat just again. Like, I'm I'm kind of scared for Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm confident in the team. I think, I'm not saying you guys are discrediting the Minnesota Windchill players, because I, I know you're not, and I, you're kind of just, like, giving credit to the Empire and stuff, but, I mean, we all talk about Mattis and how he's a beast in the gym. You got people like Berglund and Bergmeier and everyone else on Dragon Thrust and everyone else who's been playing these massive games. You got Paul Krennic, who won won the World's Championship game. That was, you know, not just one game on a day. That was, you know, it's 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 a lot to these guys on our team as well. And so I think Minnesota is ready to take on the shred on Saturday. And I think they're more ready to take on that opponent on Saturday. Or on, they're ready to take on the shred on Friday, and they're more than ready to take on the opponent on Saturday. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, like, so, and yeah, to be fair, like, they're not unfamiliar with, you know, weekend tournaments. Like, that's, there was literally a weekend tournament this weekend. And to be fair, I don't know how many, if any, Winchell players actually played. But yes, like, they play plenty of club ultimate. They They do weekend tournaments all the time. But again, like that's and still think, tiring. That doesn't mean they're like ready to go. But yeah, but yeah, I think I think my, my point mostly was that they're not going to let the physical aspect of the sport keep them from succeeding at a high level. I, I think they are mentally strong enough to get through the physical side of it. So mentally, and then also say as a team, they are so hungry. It doesn't matter what you Absolutely. throw at them; they get and get it. <laughs> So absolutely. That's going to be super cool to see. I'm really excited to see like, honestly, like I'm really excited to just see like the empire in person. I'm going to be geeking out. I'll be starstruck. I I think I said this last week too. And like the shred, like seeing Jordan Kerr play. It's like, like bringing it back to baseball. I bought tickets to go see the angels play the twins, not to see the twins play, but to see Shohei Otani play. Oh yeah. And like, valid. I hope he throws a perfect game against the twins. You know, like that's like, that would be an incredible thing to see. Like, you don't want to see the twins lose, yeah. but like you're seeing history happen. So it would be, it's just going to be a really huge weekend of ultimate, no matter what, just as a fan of the sport, I'm very excited to see whatever happens. Absolutely. And are we wrapping up the pod? Uh, I, I think so. I want to do some predictions okay, that, that, like toward the end, but yeah, that kind of felt like it. Well, I, I will yeah. give one real quick thing here. I did draw up a, play call for the Minnesota Windchill. So Windchill up here, Salt Lake Shred down here. Uh I was supposed to be this way, but I want down. Okay. So up here, that's that's Berglund, right? Sam. He's gonna pull the disc down here. All right. And then as we all know, Minnesota sprints down, right? I'm talking like full speed before the disc even touches the ground. Sam Berglund's disc has an average flight of 9.8 seconds. Go read my article, the icebergs. Link is in the description down below. 9.8 seconds to get from one end of the field to the other. They can do it. It's 80 yards. They're fast. 
right? They're all down here. Oh, look at that. Now you got now you got seven windchill guys, but where are you gonna throw the disc? Yeah, that's what You're we call this. Right to the windchill's hands, right? That Callahan country. Mm-hmm. I hope Feldman? you got your passports, Kills. boys. <laughs> Wind chills. No, but seriously, so I predictions wise, uh, I'm calling it a 21-19 victory for the windchill against the shred, and then mm-hmm. a 23-19 win against the Empire. Clip this part of the podcast for when it happens. And what about Saturday? So windchill Empire. No, I said a win over the Empire, 23 to 19. Oh, I thought you said I thought you said Empire over the soul, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean don't even have to worry. Don't worry about that game. That yeah. I don't care Jay. about the numbers for that one. Yeah. Jay. Um, I, I think the uh the one she'll take the shred by three. I'm gonna go 23-20 with at least one Callahan. Nice. Um and I do at least one. I do think they're gonna they're gonna win against the Empire by one in overtime. Nice. Uh so. But the final what? score is, I don't know. Okay, okay. Maybe 22, uh, 21, get, something like that. You, so you got to give us a number, because if any one of us is right, then, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shred, I'm actually going to go a lower scoring game, just because I think the uh, Minnesota's offense or defense will be slowing them down, and I think their offense will have to keep up. So I'm going to say it's going to be like 18 to 16, Minnesota. Uh, pretty low. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, and then I'll say they take on the Empire, and I'll be optimistic. I'm going to say the Winchell will win. I want to believe that in my heart, and I will say it on the pod. Um, I will say the Winchell beat the Empire uh, 20, 20 to 19. I think it's going to be, right, that's gonna be a tight game. So it's good, Yeah. I mean, like you said, no matter what happens, it's going to be an awesome weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. First game on Friday. So Minnesota has the first game, right? No, they oh, have the late game. They have the nightcap. Okay, perfect. That's even more exciting, I feel like, because it's like you're going to know who the opponent is before you know if you get to face them, which I think yeah. is pretty cool. But also, um, is that uh, better or worse for Minnesota? Because, you I know, again, it's now it's like, now you know, but you already are thinking of tomorrow when you need to think of tonight right now, you know? I don't think. I don't know if they are. I, think, I don't think you're getting I think you would be thinking that, Jeff. <laughs> I think the players, no offense. I, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I think they are fully ready to know. I think they're like, yeah. yeah. I, honestly, I think it would give them that motivation of like, all right, let's get this taken care of so we can get to these guys. Yeah. Give them that extra motivation, especially if it's the Empire. It's like, okay, we're one game away from having our chance. I mean, they've beat the Empire, the, right? The mindset. They have. Hey, they've beat the Empire. Hey, he tweeted it today. I brought that up last time. And it's it's... On the scoreboard, it says AUDL official score. So officially, this was not an exhibition game. This was an official scored game. Yeah, and definitely two Minnesota players didn't play for the Empire at all. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure both Babbitt and Yacht were there. Like Babbitt was not, but Yacht and Oscar. I, I think Oscar was there. Okay. I mean, aren't Yacht and Oscar from, like, yeah, anyway. Pretty sure um, they're from Minnesota? Yeah, they're both from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, yeah, Oscar, if you're listening, we'd love to get you on the podcast sometime. Yeah, maybe after you lose this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I'll say you gotta like it's a Minnesota Windshield podcast, so you gotta rejoin the team first. True. Anyway. 
no it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good weekend um i think we're gonna get a lot of good content i'm again like yeah we're i'm excited to just go to the stadium uh be starstruck by these players meet a bunch of people uh love to have people come talk to us um i have no idea how many people actually listen to this podcast and i have got the numbers but like it could just be i'm too scared to look yeah i don't know i don't want to find out that three people listen and it's just me and my cat <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no i think i think it'll be fun um honestly i don't even have that much to say we've said we've said it all now it's just like sit and wait we we have the easy job of cheering them on now the winch will have to they've got the hardest job of their lives the most competitive yeah. ultimate they'll be playing so and if you want to come watch this competitive ultimate don't forget to enter the giveaway in our instagram uh, I gotta do is be liking that post, following our our content. Uh, all the details are on our Instagram page. It's Windchill Talk. It's on all of our social and medias. You get five bonus entries just for subscribing to our website, and subscribing is free. So, like, that's five right there. Uh, super easy to do. We're drawing that on Wednesday, the uh, the twenty third. So make sure you do that now. We're we're dropping this on Monday morning. We're posting, posting this Monday. So you've got, by the time this posts, about two days to to enter. So go do that right now. It's also it's also on Twitter and Facebook if people are still on that stuff. Um, so X. X, nah. <laughs> but we will anyway. we will see you all this weekend, Friday night to start. We'll be there Saturday, no matter what happens on Friday. Uh, we're gonna be uh, on probably on the fence, but I don't know what the situation is gonna be. We're gonna be bundled up. You won't. It won't be hard to find us. I don't think Kane's gonna be bundled up, but I'm gonna be the opposite. Full <laughs> body paint. I'm gonna be wearing an actual polar bear carcass. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> All right. It's gonna be creepy. The cops are gonna get called on us. It's gonna be a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but we will see you there. Uh, this episode is presented by the R1P1 Network. Uh, guys, they've been so great this whole, this whole season, helping us create just some amazing artwork for our, our thumbnails, our social media, our podcast, everything. Check them out. They're doing a lot of sports um, agency work. So much love to them. Um, yeah, I've got nothing. Stay chilly. Let's go and chill. Let's go and chill. It says let's get chilly. I know it's backwards. <laughs>